Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to Murder Mile. Today, I'm standing in Green Park, SW1, three streets west of where Sarah Gibson was tortured, four streets southeast of the attack on Tudor Semenev, one street west of the murder by David West by David West, and one street from the sadistic slayer with a tear in his eye. Coming soon to Murder Mile. South of Green Park Tube Station, along the western edge of the Ritz Hotel, sits Queen's Walk. A tree-lined path built in 1730 for Queen Caroline by King George II. As a fashionable hangout for Georgian aristocrats, it was not uncommon to see a decadent dandy dabbing his laudanum-soaked lips with a lace hanky as he bleeds a weeping pauper dry of his last pitiful penny, bastardizes the law to benefit his wealthy Etonian chums, and buggers a young boy senseless in a bog as a copper turns a blind eye. Back then, we called them the gentry, but today, we call them politicians. Utter bastards. If so many of them weren't corrupt, why else would a millionaire want a job which pays just 84 grand a year? That said, we all have dreams. Whether money, skills, happiness, or the most fleeting of all, fame. At roughly 4am, on Saturday the 25th of July 2009, two strangers would come face to face on Queen's Walk. As boys, they both harnessed a gift which would bring them success and recognition in their own right. And whereas one would become a well-respected doctor through years of hard work, the other would get a little cash and a flash of fame, having had his face plastered on a pack of instant dessert. When a dream becomes reality, it brings with it a wealth of problems. As the hardest part isn't how to achieve your dream, but how to cope when you're riding high, or as you plummet 
to the ground. My name is Michael, I'm your tour guide, and this is Murder Mile. Episode 181, Sweet Dreams. As children, we live our lives full of hope and innocence. Unaware of what our future may bring, we dream of living a good life and fulfilling our goals, but with little knowledge of the dangers or pitfalls. A child's dream should be light, fluffy and sweet like a cool glass of angel delight. Angel delight is Born in Hendon, northwest London in 1977, Nadim Gulam Hussein was one of two sons born to Vajudin and Veronica. Originating in Godram, in the Indian state of Gujarat in northwest India, like the children of many immigrants, whatever dreams they had, part of theirs would be the desire to please their parents and to make their struggle and sacrifice worthwhile. Blessed with parents described as calm and sensible, both boys were raised well and would succeed. Being two years his senior, Nadim's big brother would make a serious mark in financial banking, setting up his own company, leading the UK's Open Banking Initiative, and being awarded an OBE in the 2017 New Year's Honours List for his services to finance. That was his dream, and he would achieve it well. Nadim had his own dream, and keen to follow his own path, he would make his mark in medicine. Educated at St. Benedict's School in Ealing, he left in 1993, went to college where he studied A-levels in science, and then he would attain a degree in medicine at Bristol University. Being smart, it's likely he suffered with bullying, as many brain boxes do, especially given that he was from another culture and his skin was a different colour. His upbringing would give him the skills to navigate life's turbulent storms. He would face his own risks, his own dangers and his own failures, being surrounded by contemporaries, many of whom would be bigger, better and brighter than himself. No one is perfect, and no one is faultless. So as he slowly climbed the long ladder to success, Nadim would be aware of his faults. But what made him a success was how he learned from his failures and turned his weaknesses into strengths. After his graduation, he became an anatomy demonstrator at King's College in London, where he also met and fell in love with his girlfriend, 
Caroline Bott. He was exceptionally gifted, but also blessed with kindness and decency. Later described by many as a sharp wit with a silliness that made you laugh, as well as being big-hearted and incredibly loving. Across his illustrious career, Nadim spent eight years working for the NHS. He was a surgeon at Guy's and St. Thomas's Hospital. He became a member of the Royal College of Surgeons in 2005, and he published research papers, including one into neurological damage owing to stab wounds to the spine. In 2007, Nadim took the prestigious job as a consultant at McKinsley's, a city-based healthcare practice at 1 German Street, just off Piccadilly Circus. As an engagement manager, he would be based out of this office, but he would travel internationally, often back and forth between London and New York. By his early 30s, Nadim was a success with an even brighter life ahead of him. He had achieved fame in his own field. He had done it on his own terms. And he had achieved it through his own hard work. As his father would say, he was on the verge of an exciting future, full of promise and happiness. But as his life was flying high, someone else's dream had smashed to smithereens. Born 13 years after Nadim, 19-year-old Thomas Connor was raised by his mother in St Paul's Cray in Orpington, a small village in the borough of Bromley, southeast London. According to his barrister, although his mother had done her best to raise him and his two-year-old sister, seeing his mum beaten by his father, the family abandoned for more than a decade, and his mother's second husband also beating her up in front of the children, this had left him with trauma. With his education faltering, and burdened by a succession of shitty male role models. Even as a young boy, he risked being sucked into a world of wastrels and ne'er-do-wells, whose daily high point was hoofing aerosols, contracting STDs, and pissing another day up the wall like a spent bottle of blue WKD. Everyone has a dream, but sometimes, what every child needs is someone to give them a chance. In June 2001, global giant Kraft Foods were looking to rebrand a family favorite, Angel Delight. First launched in 1967, 
Angel Delight is a powdered instant pudding, which turns into a fluffy mousse when milk is added. Back then, when Thomas was barely 11, there were seven varieties. Strawberry, banana, chocolate, forest fruits, raspberry, vanilla, and for those with no taste buds, butterscotch. Seen as old-fashioned, they aimed to revitalize it as something fun for kids to make with their mums. The packets had a pop-art design full of funky colors and bold lettering. With a different child's face for every flavor, fun was added to the packet by giving it a silly name like Stonking Strawberry. And each child's face was graffitied with a funny mustache, eyebrows or a beard, made from the frothy whip. With the design approved, what they needed was seven children with angelic faces. Thomas had never modelled before, and he had no dreams of becoming a model. But blessed with soft blonde hair, a cheeky face, and ears like a two-handled jug, he fit their image of a little angel. Chosen from a pool of thousands, not only was his face selected to be on the packets in every supermarket and on adverts on every television across the country, but as the brand's favourite, he was specifically chosen amongst the few to be the face of Stonking Strawberry, the brand's top-selling flavour. The thing about Angel Delight is that it tastes deliciously creamy. The photo shoot was a breeze, and the fee was a welcome addition to this struggling little family. But more importantly, as a leg up the ladder of success, his fame would be instant. Bird's Angel Delight. Don't let go of your glass. In their young lives, whereas Nadim had set aside his bully's taunts as the jealous rantings of losers who would achieve nothing, Thomas let their hurtful barbs jab at his skin like the prickles of dickheads. Bullied, beaten, and branded as gay by his classmates, he was mercilessly teased and taunted as the face of a packet pudding. As a global campaign the company had ploughed millions into, the rebranding of Angel Delight would be around for the best part of a decade. This flash of fame should have been the springboard to a brighter career and a better life. But riddled with anxiety and depression, it had ruined his childhood and left him with a legacy he resented. Unable to cope, he ran away from home. Having left school, he struggled to hold down a regular job. And seeing no way to escape his torment as the Angel Delight kid, he tried to take his own life. Across his teenage years, when the world should have been a place of limitless dreams, Thomas should have been the epitome of happiness. Only drifting from rejection to rejection, 
he would waste his days hanging around with his pal, William Padden. Another bully boy, described as a talentless waster, who was used as a verbal punchback, having been branded with the nicknames of Billy Idiot and Forrest Gump. To distract himself from the horror, he took cocaine and visited brothels. With a history of self-harm, he had tried to join the army, but was rejected. And with the last four years of his life a write-off, Thomas was at his wit's end. The boy who had found fame as the face of an instant pudding was a lost soul with no future, whose image, every day in millions of homes, was being tossed into the bin. On Friday the 24th of July 2009, Thomas was accepted as an assistant at the local garden centre. It was a simple job for a modest wage, but this distant glimpse of hope would leave him in a celebratory mood. Finally, his shitty little life had turned a corner. But a few hours later, the boy dubbed Britain's Little Angel would brutally beat a stranger to death. Friday the 24th of July 2009 was a regular day in a seemingly ordinary world. When a dim, after two years as engagement manager at healthcare practice McKinsley's, his life was hectic, travelling back and forth from London to New York. But he had done his best to keep a work-life balance. Still very much in love with his girlfriend, Caroline. They would see each other as often as possible, but when their careers and lives got in the way, they always made time to chat on the phone. Having returned from New York, by early evening, Nadim had left his office on German Street and was heading out for a fun evening with a friend at Funky Buddha, just around the corner at 15 Berkeley Street in Mayfair. That night, still being in a jubilant mood, Thomas and his pal William headed to a bar in Bromley to sink a few suds and to neck a few shots. The two boys, both aged 19, were here to dance, to laugh and to party. With their hometown being too quiet to kick back and the pubs already kicking out, they purchased a gram of cocaine for £40. They had a swift toot of Colombia's finest, and they took the night bus to London. Mayfair's clubs are notoriously snooty over who they let in. So being dressed to impress, the barely legal lads made their nostrils extra festive with an extra snort from Santa's little magic bag and headed to Strawberry Moons. Hey, 
a nightclub hidden on Hedden Street. With the usual half-deaf DJ banging out tunes too loud to hear. An overpriced cocktail bar for fans of watered-down vodka with fruit. And a pink checkered dance floor where posers try to mimic John Travolta but end up moving like crabs with piles. For Thomas and William, they were just two young lads out for a bit of a boogie. But cocaine can have a different effect in different ways. It can make us fun, silly, arrogant and selfish. It can heighten the best and the worst characteristics of our personalities. Making the timid chatty and the twats into massive assholes. But when mixed with alcohol, it can make for bad bedfellows. At 2am, Thomas, accompanied by William, left Strawberry Moons and headed into Soho. With little open in the wee small hours, this single lad headed to Rupert Street, a place synonymous at that time of the night for just one thing. Sex. Approached by a prostitute. From a cash machine, Thomas withdrew £90 and handed it over. Seeing this sweet-faced lad was worse for wear, and not particularly bright. With his brain powered by his balls, she played the oldest trick in the book. To prey on a drunk, to play on his needs, and having grabbed his cash and swiftly fled, he lost her in a maze of Soho's back streets and side alleys. The boy who was once the saintly face of Angel Delight had been ripped off by a Soho sex worker. But instead of dealing with it, as he had done by being bullied over his brief brush with minor fame as the epitome of innocence for a child's packet of instant whip, he let his anger eat him up inside. Like too many boys who were bullied, Faced with an obstacle, the bullied would become the bully. Ganging up as they're too afraid to go it alone and hitting out at those who can't defend themselves. Being out of money and still sporting an unused erection, Thomas wanted cash to buy a shag. As a sulking twosome, skulked the dark-lit streets from Soho to St. James's. They hatched a plan to rob a stranger, as just off the path in Green Park, they hid behind a tree on Queen's Walk. Having had a good night and said goodbye to an old friend, 32-year-old Nadim was walking a familiar route from the club in Mayfair to his flat in Westminster. 
although it had gone 4 a.m., being barely 30 minutes before dawn, he was on the phone to his girlfriend, Caroline. Entering Green Park, by the gates to the side of the Ritz Hotel, Queen's Walk was dark and empty, with not a living soul to see or hear. According to Caroline, he sounded happy. His usual bright self, enjoying the good life he had made for himself through his own hard work. About 100 feet down Queen's Walk, Nadim stopped to lean against the black wrought iron railings. With his girlfriend worried about him walking through the park alone, he reassured her that he would take a taxi the rest of the way home, but said he was enjoying the night air. In the familiar dark of Green Park, and a path he had walked many times before, the faint light of his phone was the only light illuminating his face as he spoke to the woman he loved for one last time. Having had a long day, he said he felt tired, and he was jealous of the fact that she was already in bed. Caroline would later state, he started saying something else. Then there was two to three seconds of white noise. I just said, hello, hello, and then the phone went dead. Caroline would later state, I thought his battery had died. I didn't try to ring him again because I thought he would be home in 20 minutes and he would ring or text me to say he got home safely. It had happened before and with nothing to really worry her, I tried to stay awake but with the hour being so late, I fell asleep. It seemed like just a regular call, hampered by bad technology. Only Nadim would never make it home. Shown as evidence, footage would clearly show no provocation prior to the attack. Thomas and Nadim had barely exchanged glances for a split second and they hadn't spoken a single word. While Nadim was on the phone, a look of horror engulfed his face as Thomas swung a 10-kilo cast-iron railing at his head. In his confession, Thomas would admit, I don't know why. I was just really angry at everything, everyone being rude. As he leaned over while on the phone, I struck him down. He got up, looked at me, and I hit him square on the head. I saw his eyes were open. I thought he was looking at me, so I got scared. I stamped on his head a couple of times. Knocked unconscious, Nadim suffered multiple skull fractures 
as Thomas stamped on his head and his face. And as the young gifted doctor, who was barely halfway through his life, lay dying on the ground, Thomas's pal, William Patton, rifled the bleeding man's pockets, stealing his phone, wallet and cash. In the time it would take to make some angel delight, Nadim's dream was shattered. And all because of a selfish little boy whose own dream had become a nightmare. With his family devastated, Imran would state, My brother was killed in a barbaric, senseless, and utterly unprovoked attack. He had no argument with the men, but they brutally robbed him of his life and his future. Discovered by a passerby just a few minutes later, at 4.15am, police and paramedics were called and Nadim was rushed to hospital in a critical condition. But having suffered a brain hemorrhage, he remained in a coma for two weeks until Wednesday the 5th of August 2009 when he was declared legally dead. On the day of his death, using CCTV, DNA, fingerprints and mobile phone data, Thomas and William were arrested, with Thomas stating, I was looking at him for a couple of seconds, thinking, what have I done? I really thought he was dead. I kept saying to Bill, he's dead. I think he's dead. And yet, so traumatized were the boys, having believed they had killed a stranger, that while the paramedics were fighting to save his life, they returned to Soho so Thomas could fuck. Pleading not guilty, in a three-week trial at the Old Bailey, Thomas Connor was sentenced to life in prison for murder with a minimum of 25 years, with William Patton to a minimum of 23 years, and both boys due to serve an additional 10 years for robbery to run concurrently. When a dream becomes reality, it brings with it a wealth of problems. As the hardest part isn't how to achieve your dream, but how to cope when you're riding high, or as you plummet to the ground. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I think that's it. Yeah. Oh, oh it. Oh, hot, 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 sweaty. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing? You all good? Oh, dear. It's muggy out today. Heat wave is coming back. Bloody, 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 bloody heat wave. I mean, it's not, it doesn't look like it's going to be as bad as a couple of weeks ago when it was getting close to the 40s. Did we reach 40? I can't remember. I know we were bloody close to I think we did, didn't we? Hottest on record. Oh, dear. Anyway, it's muggy at the moment. We got a week of it coming in. Bastard. I'm just going to take off your hat. Hang on, here we go. There we go. Your hat's off. You can probably hear me better now. Oh, I've moved away. I've moved away from the weir that was there. So last week in Extra Mile, you would have heard a... Throughout Extra Mile. Uh, not in this week's episode. Oh, dear Lord. Uh, because window open. Nice and quiet. Nice and quiet. So I'm just going to open a couple of doors. The only problem is I'm... I went to warp in a place. Oh, hang on. Some wind this oh, that's nice. Oh, a bit of fresh air coming in. Uh, I had to warp in a place uh, because I knew the heat wave was coming back. So I thought, right, I'm going to go back to my my little my little hidey place hidden away, which is nice. It's underneath trees. Hang on, I'm just going to get rid of it. I put pillows behind the curtains to dampen some of the sound because people walk past and they're like oh oh maureen tell me about your piles oh this is i'm on the towpath this is the perfect place to have a private conversation about hemorrhoids so uh yeah oh so i'm trying to dampen out the sound but uh i moved to a place which is great it's underneath the the uh uh trees so it can stay a little bit cooler than everyone else which is why i survived the heat wave last time but it's a little bit shallow. So the bottom of the boat is scraping along the bottom of uh, the canal. It's not particularly good. So every time a boat goes past, all you can hear is, it's a horrible sound. Oh, so, oh dear. Not gonna make a cup of tea today. It's too hot for tea, it's too hot for tea. Baking in here, there's a, I'm gonna have a, a little swig of lime Diet Coke. Ah. 
Oh, those chemicals are lovely. Oh, fresh. I'm knackered already. It's not even four in the afternoon. I've been I've been plowing away since five a.m. I'm knackered. I've done it. It's moving boat day, so I I deliberately get because because all the holiday boaters are out and they're a bit they're a bit, sh- a bit shit at knowing how to boat. They boat like once once in a blue moon and they forget everything. Then they get on the waterway and they they think they remember everything, but they're terrible. They're really bad at remembering shit. Uh, so so I I get up early. There were, I knew I had a, a two locks to cover and potentially a third one. So I was like, right, I'm going to get to the first lock. So got to the first lock. Uh, it was already open. That was good. And the middle of the middle uh, between the two locks is about a three hundred, maybe four hundred foot gap, which is called the center pound. And the center pound is like a a big, a little expanse of water which fills up, and that gets you to the next lock. And that's the problem is the gates on there are really leaky. They've been leaky for ages. They're absolutely effed. They really are. They're absolutely effed. So I thought I'll turn up early and check it's okay. And I looked at it and I thought it's not terrible. It's not great, but it's just it, it could be enough to get me through. So I got the boat through and chugged it through and I made it to the next lock. And that was brilliant. So I started opening up the paddles to fill up the next lock so I can get through. And then my boat got grounded. And, oh, it's so annoying. So it took about an hour and a half to refill that massive three to 400 foot pound of all the water just so I could refloat myself because the boat was grounded in the water and I couldn't jump onto the boat. Oh, that's the excitement of living on the boat. Oh, then it, but the problem is I couldn't open the gates either because there wasn't enough water. So I was having to push against these gates and my legs are absolutely effed at the moment. I was using too much force. Which is why I think it's funny when you watch those programs with uh, Prue, whatever her name is, from Forty Towers and Timothy, her husband, on the canal, and they're both old and dodgy, and you see them going along, going, "Oh, Prue, let's uh, let's go through this lock, and then we will moor up here." It's so contrived because it's like you see them mooring up in places that I know really well. Like th- there's a great one where they go into Paddington and they're mooring up into Paddington. And they go, oh, poo, this, this looks like a nice place to moor up. And they moor up and they get the first spot and there's loads of space. There's like barely a handful of boats there. And you go, oh, that's lucky. It's not lucky. Literally, the, the enforcement uh, it's meant to be a charity but the group who kind of runs the waterways they basically told everyone f off f off off the waterways prue and timothy are coming in f off so we weren't allowed to moor up there so they turn up and it goes oh prue this looks perfect and it's very funny when you see them you see them going through locks you never you see them kind of half pushing a lock themselves but they're not Half of these locks, even for someone who's relatively fit like like myself, who's got a good set of legs on me and a good back, and I can kind of put some heft into it. Even I struggled with the locks today. Even I, even my legs are sore. I haven't pushed these locks that some of them weigh a good couple of tons. So there's no way that Prue and Timothy are doing that. It's so contrived. So anyway, oh oh, the fun you can have on the waterway. Anyway, this is me done. I'm gonna. I've done this recording. I power through. It's a Monday. I got. I, I worked. I always work every day anyway. I don't. I rarely take it off. But I wanted to get myself ahead because we've got the live show this week in London on Thursday. So I wanted to give myself, make sure I've got a day to do everything I need to do for that. So I've got myself a day. So it's Monday, and I've and I've recorded the script, <sighs> which is great. So I'm ahead. So that means tomorrow I shall go into Costa Coffee at seven a.m. and I shall be abusing their Wi-Fi and abusing their electricity and uh, doing the first doing a clean up uh and a polish not a polish uh a, a first run of the the narration for this episode oh so there you go 
There you go. Uh, oh, oh, um, a thank you to uh, new Patreon supporters. Thank you very much. Uh, who are Lou Williamson and Leslie Slaney? Thank you to both of you for becoming Patreon supporters. There's lots of lots of really lovely goodies in there. We've got photos. We've got videos. Uh, if you're on the, the three dollar tier, it's photos, videos. Uh, I try and do a weekly thank you message as well. That's on there. And every Friday I do. Uh, there's loads of them in there now. I always try and do a murder related uh film every friday so friday evening if you've got nothing planned there's always a, a kind of an interesting film that'll pop on there and people seem to like them they always go oh either you haven't seen this for years or you haven't given it a go and it's always something it's something interesting i always try and post something that's different every week so that's on there um if you become a uh, i think it's a seven pound uh was it seven dollars i can't remember seven dollar patron uh you get walk with me which is uh, the weekly exclusive episodes there's about a hundred of them now that go out and after i've edited the episode i go through everything that's in the episode so you know all the stuff that nobody else will ever know in extra mile this is all the stuff that i save for there uh if you uh become a ten dollar patron uh, you get all the early episodes so uh, instead of waiting until thursday to get your episodes you get your episodes on monday core lummy plus everything else as well and then the, there are the 15 dollar patrons oh thank you guys um they get exclusive murder mile mug uh everyone gets all goodies sent to them you get uh some get the uh exclusive little red key rings are very rare uh so there's lots of goodies and i always post i always post lots of crime scene photos and really interesting stuff and i know quite often on some people's um the patron stuff that they like a week later they'll share with everyone else but i try not to i try to keep it as special patreon stuff so it's very much worth uh subscribing for if you only if you want to and if you can if you can't that's not a problem at all um times are hard as as is proving at the moment um just a quick thank you just to say i, I apologize i've entirely forgot that i've got the don- donation thing what's it called supporter uh, i entirely forgot because it, it's an acas system and they don't tell you when they don't email you to go michael a donation has just come through they just don't let you know at all you've got to keep checking it and checking it and it's only because i checked my bank account today and noticed some money had gone in and i went oh what's that and then i realized two people have very kindly sent me donations so a thank you a belated thank you to colin and bernadette h Thank you for uh, sending a very lovely donation via uh, the supporter app, which is in the, uh, the show notes, I believe. Or have I deleted it? I might have. Del- I might have taken it off the new episodes. Well, there you go. That's that's me ballsing stuff up as always. Uh, or is it? I don't know. I think Acast might add one as well. I can't remember. Um, so maybe I'll re-add it. Um, so uh yes hard times for everyone ahead i had an interesting conversation with uh the guy who was running the pub where we had the meet and greet with uh mike from dark poutine and uh i went in there to get my deposit back because you can which was good and i said oh do you know really sorry we tried to get more people in there but we didn't have as many as we would have hoped uh and he was like don't worry everything's gone weird at the moment and even though i i i talked to him on a saturday he said last night sorry the friday he said we had we had our worst night ever he said friday night and this is in a pub that even on a tuesday is packed out standing room only and he said on a friday night between seven and ten they had eight customers 
who each bought one drink, and he's got three members of staff on that night, and he said by half past ten he had to shut down the pub. He was just like, there's no point keeping it open anymore. And I've got mates who are at the... Uh, I used to do the Edinburgh Fringe Festival every year, and they've got mates at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival at the moment. Um, and they're sending pictures. They're, they're like... One, my mate Aidan sent a picture and he said, this is the Royal Mile, which is the busiest kind of street for kind of flyering and shit uh, in Edinburgh on a Saturday lunchtime. And it was a ghost town. It's, it's yeah, hard times for everyone. So I think everyone's knuckling down a little bit. Uh, let's do some quiz questions. Uh, these might be a bit difficult, but uh let's give them a go don't forget uh i probably may have deleted have i deleted some of these questions yes one of them i definitely have deleted because i didn't record it so there's nine questions we will ignore the tenth question let's do this right question number one uh to the closest decade i've written the word closet decade whatever a closet decade is to the closest decade what year was queen's walk built uh, question number two. It was named after... Uh, Queen's Walk was named after which member of the royal family? Question number three. The family... Uh, sorry. Uh, Nadim's family originated from which state in northwest India? Question four. Uh, Nadim worked for which healthcare practice in Piccadilly? <coughs> oh, dear. Dry throat. That's not the answer to the question. He's not dry throat. Question number five. Angel Delight was owned by which global brand? Question number six. Now, core, this is a seven-part question. I will give you a point if you can guess four. Okay. Uh, Question number six. Name the seven varieties of Angel Delight in 2001. So the seven, but I'll give you a point if you uh, guess four. Uh, question number seven. Which flavour uh, was Thomas the face of? Question number eight. What two nicknames was William Patton given? So that's his buddy, William Patton. What was his two nicknames? Uh, there's actually three in total. We'll do that shortly. Uh, question number nine, which is our final one. Where did Thomas finally get a job? almost uh question number 10 was who won the women's uh, wimbledon uh, tennis final that year the answer was serena williams but there was a, there was a whole section in there about what happened in that year but in the end whilst recording it i decided to take it out oh, so let's dive into some stuff to do with this episode uh, annoyingly very annoyingly normally what i do is i i create a little like a a, a biog for myself of everything i need to know and everything's in chronological order and then before i start writing it i copy it and paste it at the bottom and then i can start cannibalizing the piece that i've got unfortunately i forgot to paste and copy so it was only when i was getting near the episode and i thought oh i'll save this for the end and then i realized i hadn't hadn't saved all my old data so not a lot of it is left but to be honest most of the information um i used in this episode because it was one of these really 
uh, there's nothing in the archives about this because it's too new uh pretty much everything i got from was kind of from newspapers and sources and things like that so um and as as we've seen many times before quite often uh with newspapers they don't do their own research they basically get the uh, press report from uh, either ap wire or press association or reuters and then they slightly change a couple of words here and there uh quite often they will go a source says and what they mean is i looked on twitter or as they quite often do if they find out where someone lives like on the on a certain street they will call up neighbors on the street they will just call as many numbers as they can uh, which they could do back when people still had home phones which not a lot of people still do now uh, things have changed uh, and that's what they do that would be a source so they love saying a source and what they mean is i can't be asked to do any work um uh, this is why some details are really annoying in here so uh nadim so um post the attack uh they said he was taken to king's cross hospital there isn't a king's cross hospital there's st pancras hospital and there's the uh there's the one just on uh the new one the uh icl on uh, warren street so again the press have kind of balls this up here so i couldn't actually pin down exactly what hospital he was taken to which is weird because the nearest hospital to green park is St Thomas's which is where he was a resident surgeon and that's south but for some reason the uh, ambulance went north maybe they were busy that day anyway the police and the ambulance were called at approximately 4:15 they reckon the attack took place just a couple of minutes after 4am uh, as mentioned, uh, Nadim was uh, discovered by a passerby who happened to be walking through the park. Uh, it was dawn at about 4:30 a.m. Uh, that someone's got an angle grinder out. Oh, it's so annoying! Uh, it, it was almost dawn, so uh, if you're out that early in London, there's pretty much always people out. You know, a lot of people doing their really important jobs the jobs that we kind of forget about help helping to keep the city run properly the people who are paid really badly as well uh they're the ones who are up early working their asses off so um yeah so someone was walking through green park it's i've done it myself at night walk through the parks i walk through regent's park green park i find it relatively safe i don't really have a problem with that uh you just keep your eyes open as you would on a on a busy street i think you're more likely to get beaten up on a busy street than in a park and at least in a park you can disappear you can hide somewhere um as mentioned he was t- taken uh, to hospital in a critical condition but did not recover his friend his family and his girlfriend were beside him uh, and he spent 12 days on life support um but owing to his injuries which included multiple skull fractures and a large blood clot on the brain uh he as mentioned he was on life support uh on the th- wednesday the 5th of august 2009 um they had to take him off life support he was declared as as clinically dead uh what else we got uh yeah um thomas and william so as the as mentioned in the episode as the ambulance turns up to save his life they've got his money and they head off uh, back into soho uh he did say uh, i don't think bill really knew what i was going to do um this was part of the defense in the court case sorry boat going past hence is a little bit loud at the moment you can hear scraping underneath oh that's a fine figure of a man lovely not that i've got uh, a body to talk about but christ at least at least i cover mine up no one wants to see mine except eva 
Uh, and sometimes even she doesn't. Um, so, yeah, well, part of the defence was they kind of blamed each other, as kind of briefly mentioned. Um, what was said in the trial was that they had kind of made a, an agreement that they were going to rob someone. Um, William, who, they, who he refers to as Bill, was going to hide behind a tree and they were going to jump out at the person they were going to attack. But William, i.e. Bill, uh, said that he didn't know that Thomas was going to grab a pole and start beating the guy over, over the head and then kicking, uh, you know, a stamping on his face. Uh, that was his kind of defence for it. Uh, and uh, Thomas Connor would kind of say that as well. He'd say, I don't think Bill really knew what I was going to do. Um, he said he uh, had a bad feeling and thought the victim was dead. I was looking at him for a couple of seconds thinking, what have I done? Uh, I didn't want him to die. I just kept running as fast as I could. I was so scared. I really thought he was dead. I kept saying to Bill, he's dead, he's dead. I think he's dead. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, they go to Soho again. Uh, the pair headed back to Soho to find another prostitute. Both defendants admitted spending uh, Nadim's money on a prostitute after the assault. So how distraught could they really be having beaten up a man uh and kicked him to death and then they were like oh i know let's go and pick up a prostitute and shagger um now obviously if this was uh i'd had access to the court records i'd be able to find you uh a bit we would have probably already gone through what was thomas's and potentially what was uh william's uh what was their criminal records before what they've been charged with but we don't have access to that. I had a kind of a trawl around, but obviously Thomas's name is quite familiar. Uh, Williams, there's not much in there. And both, don't forget, they're not too far away from 16. So a lot of the details wouldn't be in there. And it wasn't released to the police. Uh, so yet they went into Soho. They had sex with a prostitute and then they headed back home to Kent. So yet they're clearly distraught by this. Uh, Detective Inspector Jeff Minns was the investigating officer for the Homicide and Serious Crime Command. Um, it was relatively simple for them. Uh, they'd made the arrest based on uh, the CCTV footage. So um, if you're in London, pretty much every every street is covered by CCTV, not just private stuff, but obviously no. Uh, we've got all the insurance cameras on there. We've got um, the uh, traffic cameras. It's everywhere. It really is, which is why they we were able... And don't forget, they're going down uh, Piccadilly, which is right next to the Ritz. And right next to De Beers and all the kind of uh, the new Bond Street and places like that, these places are absolutely littered with uh, CCTV cameras and even in the parks as well. Like I was going through the local park near me the other day and I thought it was quite remote. And then I realised there's loads of little cameras around because they've got lots of wildlife that they not they're keeping an eye on the wildlife but they're keeping an eye on the pricks who might turn up and steal some of the wildlife because people are knobheads and they do that. Um... So the police were able to see, um, obviously they'd got Nadim's card and being dim lads that they are, uh, they'd used his card to make cash withdrawals. Uh, so they knew when that was being done. They also used his mobile phone. Therefore, they were able to use GPS positioning. Therefore, they were able to track down what they looked like. Um, also on the uh, 10, I about to say 10 foot, uh, on the 10 kilo, so it's quite heavy, the... Um, it was actually they call it a fence post and a fence pole on there but it's actually one of the raw iron railings uh i'll put a picture of it on 
I'm on social just so you can get an idea of it but it's kind of a, a railing that goes up to chest height one of them had broken loose Thomas had picked that up it's really heavy it's made of cast iron really really heavy that's what he used to whack him around the head obviously he threw it aside and police turned up later on and found his fingerprints and his DNA now obviously we don't know whether Thomas was charged with any crimes prior therefore the police would have potentially his DNA or his fingerprints uh, but police were able to use it to arrest him pretty quickly uh, as mentioned he was arrested on Wednesday the 5th of August 2009 which was 12 days after the attack it's also the same day that Nadim would die uh, um, what else we got uh, both men at the time were only 19 years old a lot of press reports say that they're 20 but there were 20 when he went to court there were 19 uh, when the attack took place uh what else is there initially charged with suspicion of robbery and attempted murder because at that point um uh nadim was still alive it hadn't made it through uh one thing that uh, i i searched i couldn't find any more info on a third man was held at an address in portsmouth also age 19 but was released and no further action was was taken um this third man was arrested alongside Thomas and William. He seems to be another friend who was out with them that day, but we don't know anything about him. Uh, therefore, for the sake of clarity, I've erased him from this story because there's no point saying a third man was there, but we don't know anything about him. He lived in Portsmouth. He was 19, but we don't know where or why. We don't know his connection to anyone. I'll save it for this bit. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? Uh, trial at the Old Bailey before Judge uh, Stephen Kramer, QC. It began on the 13th of November, 2010. Um, so uh, that was almost over a year and a half almost a year and a half later it took that long to kind of piece everything together uh in total it took three weeks um in defense both men who were aged 20 by that point blamed each other for the senseless and random attack which was captured on cctv both men conducted what is called in legal circles a cutthroat defense blaming each burpees that's not in the uh, statement uh blaming each other for the murder in a bid to win a not guilty verdict Halfway through the trial, as they were being brought to court in a police van, Connor threatened to kill his former friend. Sorry, a Thomas Connor threatened to kill his former friend, who is William Patton. They pleaded not guilty, uh, but they were convicted after a three-week trial. Uh, what else we got? Uh, as mentioned, uh, Thomas Connor must serve a minimum of 25 years in prison so uh that was 2010 he would have done 12 by now so he's halfway through his sentence uh so this is minimum he has to do so he won't potentially go on parole until 2035 that's the first he can he can see um uh see the real world see life uh by which time well what would he be he would be 45 by then uh william Patton must uh do at least uh 23 years behind bars and has mentioned oh and as mentioned um they have to do 10 years for robbery uh, to be served concurrently i think concurrently means at the same time doesn't it which i never find i, I never understand that it's like you charge for an offense and they, they say we're going to charge you for five years for this and then one year uh, for this to be served concurrently, which I think should be six years. But they go, no, you can serve it at the same time. And you go, why? 
It's like when you get a little shitbag who's stolen a car and killed someone. And what do they do? They go, well, he's underage, so we'll, we'll serve him with uh, a... You know, he's not allowed to drive for five years. And, uh, you know, he, he's... Uh, and you just think, but he's underage. He's a 13-year-old scrot. He can't drive for another three years. And then you're going to put him in uh, youth youth service for the next five years. So he can't get access to a car anyway. And it's those shitty little sentences where they, they're feeling... They're ticking boxes. They go, oh, well, we have to do this. Yeah, well, there we go. We've done it. We, we've, we're we not going to allow him to drive a car for five years, even though he can't drive a car for five, year, five years. You just go, what's the point? Um, since in the pair, there's me having a rant. Since in the pair, Judge Stephen Kramer QC said that they had targeted their victim as easy prey and left him for dead. Uh, the doctor was an admiral and fine man who had done nothing to pro- provoke the attack. He was a talented man with the prospect of a promising career ahead of him, which you have snuffed out. Uh, fueled by alcohol and cocaine, you used gratuitous violence on a man you must have known was vulnerable. Uh, as mentioned, vo- both men must also serve 10 years for robbery. Um... It's got a statement here by uh, Detective Inspector Jeff Minns, who was an investigating officer. He said, I welcome today's verdict. Only Nadim's family and friends can really understand what the last eight months have been like. And I would like to thank them for their unwavering support of the police and their patience throughout the investigation and trial. The result today won't bring Nadim back, but hopefully it brings them a degree of comfort and will assist them in coming into terms uh, with the tragic and traumatic events of the 25th of July last year. Whilst they have to endure the pain and bereavement following the death of Ndim, his brother Imran, his mother and father uh, and girlfriend Rebecca have done this with utmost dignity. I would also like to thank... Oh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, of crucial importance was the DNA and CCTV evidence in this case, both of which hugely assisted in, in the, the successful outcome, which is very much true. You've seen all these cases so many times where there's someone something happens to someone in the middle of a place where there's no cameras and if they haven't got dna and haven't got fingerprints they're pretty much screwed um uh there was a funeral for nadim um, more than 500 people turned up uh i think that's it i think that's all, that's all i've got on that one because don't forget i deleted most, most of the i don't i think pretty much everything i was going to say is in the episode so um Let's do the answers to the questions. Let's see how many I fucked up. And, uh, oh, a very, very blue episode this week. Lots of Fs, wasn't there? Uh, lots of Fs. But then again, it was an emotive episode. Uh, let's see how many I ballsed up uh, and how many I will edit out. Um, so question one. What's the closest decade? Uh, uh, to the closest decade, what year was Queen's Walk built? Uh, it was built in 1730. When you look at it, it's, it's a path. It's a path. It's a path. It's a path. There's some there's there's some bollards on the side of it. It's a path. I don't know why we have to know what when it was built. It's a path. Uh, question two. Uh, uh, the path was named after which member of the royal family? It was Queen Caroline. Although I went past a pub the other day, which was called the Duke of York. And... Um, is it Ed, uh, Andrew's Duke of York, isn't he? Who's the Duke of? He's Duke of Pedophiles, anyway. Uh, there we go. Uh, question number three: um, Nadim's family originated from which state in northwest India? It was Godram. 
wonder how many people have got probably none these are quite difficult question four uh, nadim worked for which healthcare practice in piccadilly it was mckinsley's question five angel delight yum was owned by which global brand craft foods who are well known for fucking up british brands they have picked up some of our good good products before and they've turned them into shit uh question number six um name the seven varieties of angel delight in 2001 so if you got four i'll give you the point for this so they were strawberry banana chocolate forest fruit i know raspberry vanilla and for those with no taste buds butterscotch always hated butterscotch it's disgusting uh question seven what flavor was thomas the face of he was the flavor he was the face of stonking strawberry if you google it you'll see his face on there uh question eight what two nicknames was william Patton given he was known as billy idiot and forrest gump his other one they they used to call him silly billy and i just thought that just sounds shit uh and question nine where did thomas finally get a job at the garden center there we go so that's that that's me done and i'm not i'm not going to edit anything it's quarter past four i'm knackered uh i'm gonna go for a, a walk even though i've done all my walks for the day i've done i've done my i've done almost thirteen thousand steps i'll do another couple of thousand steps and then i'll get ready for dindins mmm dindins so that's me done thank you everyone have yourself a good week stay safe and be good if you're if you're coming to uh, our live show on thursday we look forward to seeing you there uh we've got the manchester one coming up we can try and work out whether we can uh live stream it but it's it's not just a case of just putting up a camera because what we know is if, if we put up a camera the sound has to be good the vision has to be good otherwise there's no point you tuning in to watch it otherwise you go i watched it but i couldn't see you i couldn't tell what was going on i couldn't hear anything so i want to make sure that the quality is decent so we're only going to do live streaming uh if it's good enough if it's not good enough we're not going to do it so uh but come to london come to manchester uh if manchester goes well we'll do more so um that's it have yourself a good week folks stay safe and be good uh enjoy life uh make the most of everything that we've got and things like that etc 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 that's it i'm done stay safe be good lots of love everyone If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.